0: Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech, executive producer of social media here at the IQ. And this week, I had to go out and pull a special favor. I had to bring back somebody that has not been here for a while, but you know his voice. He used to actually host a podcast. So let me bring in my man, Dan, who is now, I think you're the Director of Community and Content for VidIQ, correct? Uh, yeah, some, something like that. <laughs> yeah, Dan has a fancy title now, so it's hard to get him locked down. But I got him, y'all. I got him. How you doing today, sir? I am fantastic. How are you? I am great, man. I appreciate you making the time. I know how busy you are, so thank you for being here. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I think the main thing that we need to touch on this week, Dan, is the new monetization update that YouTube announced last week. For those of y'all who've been living under a rock, YouTube has, quote-unquote, lowered the monetization requirements in some respects, but there are caveats, so we can talk about those. So as of uh, last week, actually, to be monetized on YouTube, you now need 500 subscribers instead of 1,000. So with 500 subscribers, 3,000 hours of watch time, You also need three public uploads in 90 days. We'll get into what that means in a minute here. Or if you're a short creator, you need 500 subscribers, three public uploads in the last 90 days, and 3 million short views in 90 days. Because remember, short doesn't count for watch hours. So the watch hour requirement falls off with the short creator. But 500 subscribers, three uploads in 90 days, and 3 million short views in the last 90 days. If you want to be monetized on YouTube as of right now. However... The caveat, the big one that I was alluding to earlier, is that this level of monetization does not take ad revenue into account, which means you are not eligible for YouTube AdSense under these new monetization requirements. If you want to be eligible for ad revenue, you still have to meet the long standing requirements of 1,000 subscribers, 4,000 hours of watch time, or if you're a short creator, 1,000 subscribers, and 10 million short views in 90 days. Dan, uh, what are your thoughts about these recent updates from YouTube? That was a lot of numbers. Um... (laughs) A lot of numbers, right? (laughs) What I
1: said before when we first learned about this, and I'll say it again here, I said that YouTube has just made this a lot more confusing for us to talk about. A little bit. On the surface, it looks like something huge changed. Half the amount of subscribers, 25% less watch time. That's fantastic. Except ad revenue is probably the one thing people are the most excited about when it comes to the partnership program. Right. So, Now you enter the partnership program, but you don't get the ad revenue until you meet the old requirements. And that is harder to say. (laughs) (laughs) We are in marketing. We like things to be nice and clean. And it's always frustrating when language has to change. And we're like, okay, well, we have to communicate this very clearly. Basically, though, what this means is let's say you're in a super niche. This is actually really good for you because growing in a super niche, getting a thousand subscribers, hard to do. Half of that, hey, that's a lot more attainable. So that's really cool. And people in those niches often have really niche products that are related to the things they do on YouTube. So now they can start, you know, monetizing in those various ways. So this is ultimately good news. I don't want to sit here and make it sound like
0: I'm not excited. I'm super excited. But it is more confusing now. Just a little bit. So maybe we should clarify what creators actually have access to as it relates to the new requirement. So as me and Dan highlighted, you do not have access to the ad revenue. However, if you do meet the 500 subscribers, 3,000 watch hours, or 3 million short views requirement, you have access to what YouTube is calling fan funding, which means you get access to channel membership. You also have access to Super Chat, Super Things, Super sticker, And you also have access to YouTube shopping. So you can now participate in the affiliate marketing from YouTube shopping. You can sell different products. I think at current time, YouTube is partnered with over 50 brands, including uh, Nordstrom and some other brands that you will be able to sell products on their shopping shelf, on your channel to do that. So that is what revenue or that you have access to as it relates to this new tier of monetization. So me, Robin, Dan were recently on a live stream for vidIQ and I was talking about how I feel like this new tier of monetization can be a boon for smaller creators because the fan funding aspects of monetization are, I believe, a lot more beneficial for smaller creators because I feel like they can make more money. Because when you are a small creator and you do have access to ad revenue, You're not making anything. You make it penny, man. You be like, you make like five cents a video, okay? Let's be real. I know everybody wants ad revenue, but as a small creator, you don't get much. You get little to nothing. Not to mention the fact that YouTube will not even pay you as a creator until you meet a one hundred dollar threshold. So just because you're monetized doesn't mean you're going to get paid immediately. Barbara, when I got monetized five years ago, it took me seven months to get monetized, but. I had to wait another three months to get my first paycheck because, again, they don't pay you until you hit $100. So I don't want creators thinking like ad revenue is this big thing. It's a big deal. But when you're smaller, I feel like the fan funding is more of a plentiful revenue source. Any thoughts about that, Dan? Fan funding is really
1: great to have, especially let's say you're coming from another platform and you're, you're getting ready to kickstart yourself on YouTube. One thing that you can get pretty early on on a platform like Twitch, for example, is those like similar fan funding kind of features. You know, you can get bits which are like they're in, you know, they're in-app currency. So viewers can tip you in that way. So there's some features there for making money. Now, more creators on YouTube can do that. But the, the one thing about it is that every time you set something like that up, you are asking your audience to give you money. And that's okay to do. A lot of people do it. But when you ask for something like that, a lot of times there's an expectation of, okay, well, you're going to provide some kind of value, something in addition to like the content I'm watching. I'm getting something else now that I didn't get before. The easiest way to do that, in my opinion, is through emotes, custom emotes that you maybe you hire an artist, you get them pre-made because those are automatically applied to someone's YouTube account. And if they become a member, they can use them in your comments and your live stream chats. But if you don't live stream, not super exciting. So now we were talking about getting people to give you super thanks or offering other membership perks such as earlier videos or specialized like community posts maybe you give people a little bit more on your community tab maybe you release exclusive videos all of those things though require more work from you you have to actively be giving people something every single time you know they join your membership program I would say the the worst things I've seen people do, uh, and this is very noble of them, but difficult, is I'm going to write each person a letter. Every new member is going to get a personalized letter from me. I've seen that from a lot of people, actually. In the gaming space, a very popular one is I'm going to run a Minecraft server or a Valheim server or like a server for whatever game we're playing on the channel tons of work it doesn't seem like it on the surface but you need server moderation you need to pay for the hosting costs of course a lot of times you'll have members come in stay for a month and leave so who's going to keep track of that list of members that needs to be added and removed from the server i'm speaking from experience (laughs) all of those things the logistics every time you add a perk are a lot and what's really nice about you know the regular youtube partner program was that monetization was on you were getting money from ads a little bit And then you can figure out those fan funding things slowly over time. But I think now you're going to see a bunch of people get into the partnership program. And we're going to start getting a lot of questions about, okay, I'm in there now. I have my 500 subscribers. How do I start to like monetize, but I don't have ads. And those are my cautionary things to point out. It's like, keep in mind, you've got to provide value and you've got to make sure you can balance that with time for just creating content, going to work, going to school, whatever it is you have going on outside of YouTube. It takes more time.
0: I love how you highlighted that this stuff takes time because fan funding is different. Once you are in the regular partner program and you do have access to add revenue, it's more like passive income at that point. Once you put out the videos, YouTube will throw ads on your videos and then you just watch the money come in, whatever money that comes in. But with fan funding, you have to actively put a system in place to... Allow for people to fund you and super chat you and super thank you. Or if you are setting up channel membership, you have to put perks in place that will entice people to want to become a channel member. And I've, I I haven't figured with this myself because when I did channel membership a few years ago, my perks weren't really all that special. And I mean, I got a few signups, but I really didn't get much of it because I didn't really think too much of it when it first came out. So you really have to put some thought into this. I want to help our listeners try to figure out what they can do to, you know, maximize their fan funding opportunity. So, Dan, you you just said you've been in the thick of this uh, as far as being in the gaming community and trying to get people to do things and you have experience on Twitch. What is some of the easiest ways that creators can kind of set themselves up for fan funding, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I alluded to it earlier. If you're live streaming, emotes are like the number one because people, if you have like, recurring bits that come up in your live streams and things like that, uh, you could turn those into little emotes. And when I say emotes, I'm talking about emojis, but they're customized to the channel. There's a ton of people out there who you know, are artists you can hire that can make them to your specifications. You pay them one time, and then they're basically yours to have on your channel. And from there, they should pay for themselves if people start to join your membership program. That's the easiest. Another easy one is you can have a Discord server linked to your youtube channel discord has a built-in functionality it works with twitch as well but it has it for youtube whereby you can give somebody a custom rank and if if you know anything about discord it's basically a big chat room and everyone who joins your server can have a specific rank and what that rank will do will unlock certain parts of the server so you can create like a members only section or an entire members only server and so it's a place for you and your members on your channel to communicate with one another. Maybe you do exclusive things just for them. Maybe you do like a game night with them or something like that. But as I say that, that's where we start to get into the more like legwork of fan funding, where now you're offering something beyond just making a video. You're going to make a video anyway. It's very easy to turn the corner and start to have to do those extra things. And I'm not trying to discourage anybody from doing that, but it's just trying to drive that point home of like there's not a whole lot you can do where this thing will run itself. There's only a few things that are kind of automated. The Discord servers are automated, meaning you don't have to add and remove people yourself. YouTube will do it for you. The emotes are automated. YouTube will apply those to people's accounts for you and then remove them when they leave your membership program. And there are other perks built into YouTube system that you can go through to see uh, like all the different things. I would say one frustration, I don't know if this has changed, but if you want to give people a members-only video, you can absolutely upload a video and tap members-only, and it just goes to them. If you want to give people a video early, as I understand it, you can make it members only, but then you have to manually go in and make it public to everybody. So let's say I'm, I'm going to give you videos a day early as like a perk. That doesn't sound like too much of a challenge, but then you have to remember to post the video publicly after it's already been given to members. And I don't know if that hurts. I've never tried that, so I don't know if that hurts your initial surge because the video is already technically live. So does YouTube take it from when it goes from member to public? Does YouTube take it and go, "Hey, you know, regular subscribers, here's a new video." I'm hoping they do. They do it for unlisted, so I don't know how that would be different, but again, it's just a matter of trying to balance your time that you have to do extra things and your time you have to do everything else, you know, make YouTube videos and all that fun stuff. Yeah, that's kind of like the way from soup to nuts, here's the easiest way and then the most difficult ways, which include You can do anything for your members, honestly, but that's when it gets like, how much are you physically
0: willing to do for this group of people? So something came up, and maybe you can help me with this, because I'm not really sure. As it relates to putting out members-only content, if it's only for the members, and and you get the math test, that does not count towards watch hours in the algorithm, or does it? I actually never thought of that. I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, these are still viewers on
1: YouTube. They just have to be paying for some access to the video. Then again, I don't know um, I've never even considered it. it's a really good question
0: okay I'll have to, I'll have to take that to YouTube and that, that's something that came up somebody was asking, uh, that Does remember the only content to count towards the algorithm I'm like technically it's not in the algorithm though so I don't know if it will count towards the watch hour but you yeah, we'll have, we'll, we'll have to get more information about that this episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's channel audit
1: tool a sort of report card for how your YouTube channel has been performing When you're in your YouTube studio, the channel audit tool can be found on the left-hand side once you've installed vidIQ on either your Chrome or Firefox browser. As long as you've authenticated your channel, clicking on channel audit will give you a bird's eye view of your videos from the last 30, 60, or even 90 days. I personally use this tool to look for patterns with my content. What types of videos are currently getting the most views per hour? Which videos drove a lot of viewers to subscribe? What types of videos are my competitors creating and how do mine compare? What are the search terms bringing people to my channel in the first place? And if this is sounding like a lot of questions, well, that's probably because I ask too many questions. But that's why I love this tool, because I can get answers to all of them and more. You can access the channel audit tool for free when you download the vidIQ extension at vidIQ.com.
0: The other thing that I failed to mention, and let me highlight this now, is that the recent monetization changes only take effect in these five countries as of right now, that being the US, the UK, Canada, Taiwan, and South Korea. So unless you're in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Taiwan, South Korea, you won't see these changes on your end until YouTube rolls them out to your respective country. But those are the countries as of today where YouTube is rolling out deep updated monetization requirements. So just be aware of that. As far as when you'll see them on your end, uh, YouTube is doing a gradual rollout. I saw something from the creative liaison that said that they are trying to have it rolled out by the end of the month. So it's not going to be something that you'll see immediately on your end. I think when you are eligible, you'll receive an email from YouTube asking you to apply. And then that's when you'll go apply for the update and uh, be eligible for your monetization. The other thing that is important to note is that once you are in, let's say you get in under these lower requirements for YouTube. When your channel then becomes eligible for the regular monetization, you will not have to reapply. You will just be automatically, uh, your channel will be upgraded into the regular partner program, so it's not like a separate application process. Once you get the 500 subscribers, three thousand hours of watch time, you'll be in the YouTube Partner Program, and then when you hit 1,000 subscribers, four thousand hours of watch time, you'll then receive that ad revenue. So that's pretty cool. I like that. There's no separate process; it's just automatic upgrade, and you're good to go. Yeah,
1: really nice move from YouTube. They're not having you like reapply. They basically approve you ahead of time. And then, yeah, as soon as you meet those requirements, ideally, you'll start seeing those buttons light up. They're like, hey, turn on ads across your channel. And, you know, then things will be like they
0: are for every other creator over a thousand subscribers who's monetized, which is really nice. The other interesting thing that I just realized about this particular point of fan funding monetization is that, You really can't compare, well, people will do it inevitably, but you really can't compare your channel monetization to somebody else's because it's completely fan-funded. So basically, it just depends on how supportive your community is towards you. know, a lot of times we like to compare with the regular monetization. We like to compare CPMs and how much one niche is making as opposed to another niche. I mean, we even make content at vidIQ about that. But in this particular situation, that doesn't apply. It's all fan funding. So if you are engaged with your community and you provide them value on a consistent basis, they will be more than willing to fund you. I remember when I first started out five years ago and I was not monetized, I had people in my, my fandom in my community like, yo, when can we monetize you or how can we support you? And at that time, I had opened up something that was similar to Patreon called Buy Me a Coffee back then. So that was a way for them to donate to me because I was not eligible on YouTube as of yet. But now YouTube is handling it themselves in platform. And once you reach those threshold for the $500 and $3,000 watch time or $3 million short views, now your fan can fund you directly. However, Remember, nothing comes for free, you all, which means when you get fan funded on YouTube, YouTube is taking their cut. So every super chat, every super thank, every super sticker, YouTube is taking 30 <laughs> percent. Don't think you just get money sent to you. It ain't, it ain't working like that. It's not working like right. YouTube's the bookie out here. They go get their cut. You all so just be aware. <laughs> it is nice, though, like when compared to other platforms,
1: YouTube, I would say, is one of the more generous There are other platforms out there that uh, are newer, up-and-coming, that offer even better, uh, you know, (laughs) splits. But overall, YouTube is very established, and for them to, out of the gate, do a 70-30 split with everybody is great. I mean, content creators are the ones doing all the work. We're making content. YouTube is not directly paying us for that content, especially when we first start out. And it's nice to have forever, like, every single partner who gets in this program— the 70 30 split, where you take 70% of everything that is made. This is also a way for YouTube, like you mentioned, buy me a coffee. Like, this is a really good way for YouTube to start to discourage, in a way, people from going for those services. Like, hey, why would you use that service when people already have Google accounts? They already got their Google wallet set up. You know, they can just pay you directly from YouTube and you don't need to do buy me a coffee because now all you need is 500
0: subscribers in 3,000 hours. Absolutely. So another question I've been seeing out there as it relates to this particular update, people were asking, are live stream hours, watch hours counted towards watch hours for monetization? And yes, absolutely. I've told you guys many a times on the live stream, if you want to kind of accelerate your watch hours, uh, you should be looking into live streaming. That is literally the fastest way to accumulate watch hours on YouTube. So if you're not live streaming, I would highly recommend you look into it. And on the other end of that note, if you're looking to accelerate your subscriber growth, you should definitely be looking into YouTube shorts, which I know Dan's a fan of, you know, because YouTube is putting shorts all over the platform and they're pushing them heavily. And I was talking to somebody about this earlier, but they're literally the express train to growth on YouTube right now. YouTube shorts. I'm not saying that you have to become a short creator. I'm just saying that if you want to accelerate your growth, there's an express train and it's literally called YouTube shorts. Put one or two out there, see what they do for your channel. And man, if it works, then maybe you can like, I'll plan a content strategy around YouTube short, but they're out there and they're not going anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. Shorts every time they come up, there's always a few people in the audience who are like, well, I don't like YouTube shorts. And I don't know. I never know if they mean that from a content perspective or a viewer perspective. Maybe it's always both. But yes, like if you're looking to get that 500 subs and you have content you feel like would do well on shorts, that's a fast track there. The watch hours from shorts will not count towards the watch hours you need for a partnership program, which is a good note. But It could help you, one, practice just content creation as a whole. Maybe you can practice storytelling because you only have 60 seconds to tell a story and get someone to stop scrolling, and you will start to introduce people to who you are. Will they come from shorts to watch your long-form content? Generally speaking, it's a tough sell. Shorts viewers just have different interests. They like short videos, but it does happen, and I like to think of it ultimately as just a, a good way to round out your channel. If people watch your long form videos, I feel like they're really likely to watch your shorts. And if people watch your shorts and they see one of your long form videos, maybe that title and thumbnail, maybe they have a time that day and the title and thumbnail really hit with them. And they're like, I've seen that guy before and I'm going to watch their long form video now.
0: And just to be completely transparent with you all, if you are short creator, especially if you're a newer short creator and you do happen to get uh, monetized either with the fan funding or YouTube OG monetization program we've been seeing the early data from short creators on how much revenue they're making from the ad revenue that they're getting. It's it's not a lot, y'all. So I don't want you to think that uh, if you are a short creator and you're able to blow up or at the very minimum meet their monetization requirements that you're going to end up being coming rich. That's never been the case, but it's really not the case with YouTube short. So uh, just temper your expectations that relates to making money with YouTube short right now from the YouTube end, because there's not much there right now. It might be better uh, in the long run, but right now, there's not much there. So you better have other ways to make a revenue. And if fan funding is a good start for that. Tens of cents. <laughs> is it even tens or is it five? percent? Five of <laughs> cents. Yeah. five of cent. uh, Dan, is there anything else that we need to hit on or talk about as related to this new monetization update or do we serve them well here? I think
1: there's like The one final note on this is, should you be doing it? Should you be excited about this for your personal channel? And the second you unlock it, should you be going all out trying to get your viewers to pay you money? Mm -hmm. And I would say that at 500 subscribers, 3,000 hours of watch time, that represents to me, in my opinion, a channel that is at the early stages of their YouTube journey. And if you feel like you've been doing this a while, but you only just hit that, I would then say that even more so that still represents a creator at the early stages of their YouTube journey because we want you to be at 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 subscribers. We want you to get you there. And the one thing that can really pull focus from creating that really high value content that gets to even more people is worrying about how you're going to monetize your current content, your current audience. The way to really drive monetization on a channel when it comes to fan funding is to have a really solid community. And if Mm. your really solid community consists of maybe like 10 super fans, you know, that's not going to be a ton of money. Even if every single one of them is willing to join your membership program for 5 or 10 bucks a month, maybe they give you some super chat sometimes or super thanks. That's still not going to pay any bills. And if you put in a whole bunch of effort trying to like figure out, well, how can I market this in a way to get more people to give me more money? That's effort you could have been spending on. How can I get my video out there to more people? What can I do to improve as a content creator in general? Because that's going to grow that community. That's going to equal more money. So should you use it? I would just be really, really careful. I mentioned at the beginning about channels that are in like a super niche. There are channels out there that are the best at what they do. They offer a ton of value. It just happens to be for a really niche type of viewer. And you know, they probably already have a rhythm down for their content creation, so they don't have to worry too much about spending extra time figuring all this out. It'll probably come easily to them, like, I already have my rhythm for content, now I'm going to worry about this for a minute. They'll set up all their monetization, and then they'll keep going. And their community of super fans will support them. But for most channels who are not in a super niche like that, they really need to focus on growth, just straight growth. And I know we all want to get paid for what we do. Turn on the features. I wouldn't spend too much time on them. In general, setting them up, the legwork involved, the logistics of getting it to a viable point. I would not spend a ton of time on that.
0: It's interesting that you talk about it that way because when we are doing channel audits and we're talking about calls to action, like when should you act if you were to subscribe to your channel? And we talk about doing it after you provide some type of value. And I feel like it's the same thing with the fan funding. This is for creators, as Dan alluded to, in the beginning stages of their YouTube career. And the question that me and Dan probably are both thinking... Have you really been around long enough to provide sufficient enough value to ask people to start paying you money i I just it gets a little murky because then we can you might have your objective question your 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 morals you know you don't know I'm not saying don't do it I'm just saying like really have in mind what you are doing to provide value to your community before you really start going about asking them for money because why should they pay you it's almost like why should somebody watch your channel? Like, what value is it providing to a viewer? Why should your community start paying you money? Like, do you have a good reason? Are you doing something that changes their life? Are you teaching them something? Are you providing them value on a consistent basis? And does that value warrant them coming out of their pockets and donating to you? Like, you got to ask. You got to be realistic. Now, I think that's the big That's the big word. You have to be realistic about your, your revenue expectations with fan funding. And as long as you can be realistic about it, I think uh, that's a good way to be. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there because you already have to answer the question, why should
1: someone watch my video? Now you got to answer two of those questions. Like, it's already really hard. When we ask people that question, they haven't quite figured out their content yet. They don't know what to say. They're like, uh, yeah. because I worked hard on it. Like, no, 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 no. What do they get from watching your video? What's the, what's the takeaway? And that took me a really long time to understand. Even as getting to my early adult years, I people would try and explain content creation to me like that and I, I couldn't quite understand. I, I was just insulted by it. you know, like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm really good at what I do. You know, they're like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, what do they get from watching it? Well, now you have to do that twice. What do they get from paying you money? And getting someone to part with their time is really tough. Getting someone to part with their money Ooh.
0: is extremely difficult. Yeah. That's another conversation entirely. But uh, Dan, man, it's has so good having you back on the podcast, my dude. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. If you guys want more, Dan, you can usually find him on Tuesday mornings on our channel, Audit live stream. So definitely go check out the YouTube channel. Uh, it'll be down in the description or in the show notes as everything else. And uh, yeah, check us out. But you know your boy Viper will be back here next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by IQ.
1: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by VidIQ head over to vidIQ.com slash talk for today's show notes and
0: previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video-making day.